Hi there, and welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. Our vision is to find sanctuary in Christ, and then to be sanctuary to each other, and express sanctuary to this city. And so, for us, success is loving well, one person at a time. And if we can help you in any way, please do feel free to reach out, jump onto our website, sanctuarysf.com, and we would love to connect. Anyway, back to the podcast. And um, I've called this talk Life in the River, but I'm actually going to use a trigger word now, or it may be a trigger word for you, because I've been asked to speak on evangelism. If you're having a little, like, palpitation moment right now, because uh, we're talking about evangelism. Um, if you're not familiar, by the way, with Christianity, it basically means um, sharing our faith, what we believe about Jesus, with other people who don't yet know him. And I'm going to use uh, other words such as uh, being on mission and being a witness. I'm going to use that kind of like interchangeably with, with this word. Um, but it may be, if you're having that little moment, it, it could be because you yourself have had Uh, maybe you're not a Christian and you've had people trying to persuade you in a really unhelpful, pressuring, not kind way. Or maybe you've like tried yourself to like share your faith with other people and it's just, (laughs) you feel like it's been an absolute disaster or they've rejected you or whatever. Um, I think also we sometimes have a problem with this word because it's kind of like a a bit of a mismatch, certainly in my own life I know there is, of what I believe, oh thanks, what I believe like to be true but also what I actually do in my life what actually happens in my day-to-day life Um, so like I know that Jesus cared so much about people who weren't in relationship with him and in Matthew 28 it tells he says to his followers he says go and make other followers go and make disciples or apprentices of me Um, in John 14 verse 12 Jesus says you're going to do what I do and if you are actually um, if you believe as Christians do that Jesus is coming back again and that there's going to be this day of judgment and how you respond to Jesus in this life affects your eternal destiny in the next then you could argue that it's literally probably one of the most kind of meaningful and loving ways that we can use our time but if you're anything like me most of my daily life doesn't feel like this kind of like I'm just telling everybody about how wonderful he is and most of my daily life feels like surviving or messing up or like dodging the question because I just don't really want to have to talk about it or have an awkward moment and um, also we need to take account of this like the cultural moment that we're in I think because we're one we're in a culture where we really prize tolerance where um, it's like moral relativism is is really important you know like everybody's truth is their own truth kind of thing we're also in a post-christian culture so that basically means that it's not just people have like have never heard of this person jesus but actually what people think that the gospel is and what jesus is about it's like they've actually rejected that so it's an even more kind of like harder tougher environment and um there's this research research group called the barna research group and they they interviews um christian millennials and they found that 95 percent thought that the the best and most wonderful thing to happen to somebody would be for them to have a relationship with Jesus and it was also it was a really important part of their faith to share him with others but also out of that same group 50% so nearly half actually felt that it was like somewhat wrong to tell people of other faiths about what they believed and expect them to change their views so like 
what do we do with this quandary, you know? <laughs> like, how do we grow in sharing our faith despite this kind of this cultural moment, despite the fear and confusion in this climate that we're in? Well, I feel like this morning God really wants to do some kind of like rewiring of how we understand mission and evangelism from being something that we kind of like have to sort of shoehorn into our already busy lives um, and that's associated with like guilt and pressure or maybe even pride, like tick, I've done that, um, to actually realising that God is already at work. And that, as to quote our friend Robbie from the other week, we get invited along to help our dad. We get invited into what he's already doing. And this is part of a series called um, To Do With The Holy Spirit. And um, so if you've been following through with us, you might guess also the answer that basically the Holy Spirit is the one who helps and empowers us to do this well. We do not have to strive and like kind of work it up by ourselves. So that's good news. Um, so yeah, I feel like God really wants to kind of rewire and also maybe put some excitement in our hearts rather than like guilt or pressure or fear today. So we're going to pray, and then we'll read the passage that we've got to look at. Um, So yeah. Yeah, Lord God, we thank you that you're already here, and that you've been pouring in your love. You've been saying to us, children, I love you. Children, I love you. You've been pouring that love into us this morning already. And we just pray that right now, that you would come and pour in your supernatural power, that you would change the way that we think and the way that we feel so that it aligns with what you look like, Jesus, and what you feel about things. Would you do your transforming work in us this morning for your glory? Yeah, we love you. Amen. Um, So Ezekiel 47 verses 1 to 12. So Ezekiel was a prophet, and I'm going to read a vision that God gave to him. I'm going to skip a few verses just for the sake of time, but you can go back and read it in its fullness, um, you know, yourself if you want to do that. So Ezekiel 47, it says, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple towards the east. Skipping to verse 2. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me round on the outer side of the gate to where the water was trickling. Going on eastwards to wa- with a measure sorry, going on eastwards with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand. It was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And as I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from Engedi to Engelim. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea, but its swamps and marshes will not become fresh there to be left for salt. And on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water from them, for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. 
Okay, so normally at this point we have a little um, kind of like discussion in groups of what we feel like God might be highlighting to us. Well, we are going to have a little chat in our groups, but we're going to save that until the end. So um, if you like that bit, don't worry, it is coming. And if you don't like that bit, you can leave before the end. <laughs> no, don't, please stay, please stay. <laughs> um, so we're going to look at some like sort of key tools that this passage seems to give us and how we can grow in sharing Jesus with those who don't yet know him. But before we do that, we're going to look at the theme of the river, and it's basically the, we're looking at the entire like, scope of human history in three minutes. So buckle your seatbelts in, because this is <laughs> it's going to be quick. So the theme of the river, it comes up multiple, multiple different times, and it's like this sort of like pulsating, underlying, powerful theme that we see right from the beginning of the Bible in Genesis all the way to the end in Revelation, um, which talks about when Jesus comes back again and it's kind of the end of the world. And really what the river, when we're talking about the river, is talking about his presence, the presence of God. And you could also say it's also talking a little bit about like the kingdom of God. So basically what it feels like to be around Jesus. If God is in charge, what does that look like? What happens? Um, so in Genesis 2 verse 10, it says that there's, it basically shows us that um, the world was created by God and humans were made for a, re- a love relationship with him. So it started off good and it kind of describes this garden and this river flowing through it and it's the river that gives life to the whole garden. So what it's talking about though is that really it's the presence of God. He's the real source of life. Um, and everything wonderful comes from him. And it's telling us that paradise is found in his presence. And then comes the biggest tragedy in all of human history. Humans decide to walk away from this perfect relationship with God. They decide to do life by themselves independently and they walk off into the wilderness. Which if you heard the first talk that Tom did, um, where he's describing, this is kind of like what, life looks like now isn't it like we know that there's a lot of good and beauty in the world but also there is a lot of hardship and a lot of pain so life often looks quite like a wilderness so the world was good but it's gone wrong and then we're going to jump fast forward to the right in your bible to ezekiel well where we've just read this prophet gets a vision of this river that doesn't stay in the temple the presence of god doesn't stay in the temple but it flows out into the wilderness towards the east where he's like pursuing his lost people and then it flows and everywhere it flows in the dead and barren places life just erupts and then fast forward again to um, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John where Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus is God coming to live on the earth he is like the fullest expression of God of the river um, coming into the very midst of the broken places and the messy lives and then bringing life overwhelming evil and darkness with his love, his freedom, his peace, his justice, his joy, his healing. And then ultimately through his death, he's then taking that just punishment for our walking away from God, from our rejection of God, from our, for our selfishness on himself when he dies on the cross. And then he resurrects from the dead, which we're going to look forward to talking about and celebrating next week. So he's beating death itself. And then it means that this, there's the possibility of that relationship being restored again so that we can once again find paradise in his presence. And then jump a little bit further to Acts, which is where um, Jesus' followers, they get filled with the Holy Spirit, who is also the river, and then become carriers of his presence. And we see what that looks like, where people are getting healed and people are coming to know God and these amazing things are happening. 
And then right at the end of the Bible in Revelation 21, this is like, if you read that in Revelation 21, it's basically, you'll notice loads of similarities. It's written in different times by different authors, but it's kind of like basically the same sort of vision, but it's like in fullness. It's like comes in fullness. It's where Jesus comes back to the earth. So heaven isn't about us like just dying and sort of floating into the clouds. But actually, the whole earth is going to be renewed. God is going to come down and he's going to restore everything and made what was lost at the beginning is going to be made permanent. And his presence is going to cover the whole planet. So all those who have had relationship with him in this life and have said, yes, I want to be with you. I want to be in your presence. Get to experience that perfect union forever. Every tear is wiped away. And there's only deepest joy and fulfillment forever. Ah, I can't wait. <laughs> oh, okay, so we've done that like huge overarching theme. So well done if you've like kept up with that. And then we're going to now look at kind of how this theme actually helps us with evangelism and we're going to look at because preachers love alliteration we're going to look at three r's reliance relationship and risk so the first one is reliance so as i said at the beginning the big idea is that it's already his work so the river is already flowing and transforming and oh my goodness doesn't that take the pressure off us you know, we don't have to make anything happen. God does the saving and the changing, and then we're invited into what he's already doing. So obedience, it doesn't look like how many converts have you made. It looks like just saying yes to Jesus. I want to partner with you. I want to be where you are, Father. So obedience is success, not the results. And we're invited deeper, 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 you know, as we sang in the song, actually, deeper still, into the point where we cannot stand on our own two feet. And I'd like to just point out that this is not like the deep bit isn't just for these extra keen Christians. What we're describing in the deep is the normal Christian life. A life of fully leaning into God, trusting him with everything, not having to depend on ourselves. So it's not about splashing or trudging through the shallows, because actually, if you've ever done that before, especially like fully clothed, it is exhausting. It's re- your clothes get really heavy. It's really hard work. But when you're floating, you're being carried along by the current. There's no striving or straining. It's the best and most freest place to be. But that point, so that is the goal for us all, but it does involve that journey getting there. It does involve a letting go or a submission, or you could say a drowning, or a dying to ourselves, a laying down of how we want to do things, of uh, you know, a letting go of a sense of control. I really like both of my feet on the ground. I don't like to be, you know, like, <laughs> it's, it's really scary, isn't it, when you're not in control. I like comfort. I like having things like knowing how they are. It's a laying down of comfort. It's a laying down of control. Um, for much of the global church, it is literally dying. But for us, it might mean more like dying to ourselves or our reputation or dying to that embarrassment, you know, of awkward conversations. And then trusting that God will resurrect us in him to be the freest and most whole version of ourselves, carried along by his spirit to whoever and wherever he wants to take us. So the key to being a witness is reliance on the Holy Spirit. And in my own life, I've really noticed like two elements of this reliance, that reliance means embracing weakness which very helpfully Josie talked about this morning in our worship time it means embracing weakness which I don't like doing 
And it also means responding to the nudges, or as I also you know, like to continue the theme, going with the flow. Um, so in times in my own life when I felt like the most weak, I've noticed this correlation, like long-term illnesses or you know, various different things that have happened, super crazy sleep deprivation. I've noticed this correlation between when I feel like the most weak and the most having to literally pray for the energy to just stand up in the morning or to form a sentence. Those are the moments when I've had the most opportunity to like share Jesus with other people and see his power come and change lives. Um, and also this kind of idea of responding to the nudges has been something that's really like God has been really stirring in, in me over the last few years because I am naturally super fearful and super like I just want to you know you know fear is a big thing in my life but actually God has been setting me free to just be like just listen just listen to me like go see where the river is going and um, just to give you an example of that um, I, in COVID I was um, I had to go and have some lumps checked because they thought they might be cancerous. So I had to go to this waiting room of the cancer ward. And um, it is a depressing place to be. It is not a nice atmosphere. It's a room packed with people who all were waiting for basically life-changing results. And it was completely silent, but for this one lady who was like stomping around, really agitated, making a complete scene because we'd had to wait 45 minutes and she was really angry. She was yelling at all the staff. She was like harassing people basically. And then she came and sat next to me. I was like, okay. So I've been praying for like, let me hear your nudges, Jesus. And then she sits next to me. I just felt the Holy Spirit being like, she sat next to you for a reason. Okay, okay. So just started to chat to her, ask her how she was, try and calm her down a little bit, and um, asked her a few questions about her life. And she just opened up about some awful things that had happened and just shared quite a lot of pain with me. And in the course of this conversation, I was like, this my kind of, I hated it because there was so many people in the room all listening in, which was like, <laughs> so I kind of subtly, I'm a Christian. And I've actually seen Jesus do amazing things. Could I just pray for you now? And um, she's like, yeah. So, okay, we've got to do this. So then I got, but I got to pray for her. And I, as I prayed for God's peace to just come and help her with the things in her life that she was struggling with, it was like the presence of God just came in that room so powerfully. And she, she started to get quite emotional. Like she'd been really jittery before she couldn't keep still. And so all of a sudden her body just relaxed. She's like, I got to share about the love of Jesus. She was like, I've never heard this before. This is amazing. And then I just said this like hilarious bit that then happened was um, because it was COVID, all the chairs had these stickers on them. And as I stood up to go to my appointment in front of the whole of the waiting room, stood up and there was this sticker stuck to my butt, which said, you've just been cleaned. <laughs> I was like, and the whole of the waiting room erupted in like, it was just so funny. We were like laughing our heads off. And I thought, God, that's just like you. This most depressing atmosphere. Everybody's laughing. And, I've, you know, anyway, um, it doesn't always happen in those kind of ways. And sometimes I, there was one time when I was sitting in a waiting room of a doctor's and I was chatting to this lady next to me who was very scary and very angry and very aggressive. But I felt again that nudge of like, she's sitting next to you for a reason and she's talking to you for a reason. And I said, well, could I pray for you about this? pain that she was struggling with and she said I can't say it because it's rude but she said I mm, something hate God and uh, can if you're going to pray ask him to kill my sister <laughs> I was like oh I've never had an assassination request before <laughs> um, okay um, but if I'd been like thinking it with my natural eyes I would have been like oh my goodness get out of that conversation this is like crazy she's clearly not into this 
But I just felt that again, like, it's like, okay, Holy Spirit, like, where's the river going? What are you doing? And I just felt this overwhelming, like, love for this lady and, like, the compassion of the Father for her and for her life. And so I was like, okay, don't disengage. Like, God is in this. And I got to chat to her and listen, just listened, basically, to her life. And um, in the course of the conversation, she then started asking me about Jesus. <laughs> so it was, you know, God can use whatever, but it's easy for us to think we know what he's doing. But actually, he, gets, he gives us these eyes to see where the river is going. So we're going to look at the next bit, which is relationship. So life in the river is about being fully immersed in him. It's like a sponge going into the water. The, the, the sponge is in the water, but the water is also in the sponge. And Jesus says this in John 7. He stands up and he says, anyone who's thirsty, come to me. And I'll, you know, I'll give you life-giving water. And then he says, out of your heart will flow streams of living water. And it says he's talking about the Holy Spirit. So this is what we're talking about, that God fully immerses us and fills us with the Holy Spirit. And being immersed in him, that can happen in so many ways. And this is another preach, so I won't go into it now. But there's so many different ways that you can spend intentional time just with you and God to immerse yourself. For me, sometimes it looks like reading the Bible. Sometimes it looks like singing or praying in tongues. Sometimes it looks like literally I lie on the floor. And I'm like, Jesus, I want to be in your river. And I just receive the love of Jesus into my heart. And in our um, family, one of the most like sort of profound things with our three kids that has sort of practices that have changed the way we operate so we do this thing called cup up and basically we say to them there's two ways that you can be a Christian you imagine yourself like a cup or a mug or something you can be a cup that is up or you can be a cup on its side and if you're a cup on its side the love the water the river of God his presence has never stopped it's always pouring over you but what's happening is it can splash it off a little bit and the people around but look inside the cup it is dry empty it's really hard work oh you can be a cup up and you just stand under the waterfall of his love, receive, your, receive the love of God into the depths of your spirit for yourself. And then, oh, if you stand there, oh, look, it's overflowing. It just overflows out of your life. And then he can kind of nudge you and go, oh, see that person over there? They're sad. They really need you to just go and pour some of my love into their life. You can direct where you go and where you spend your time. And um. And honestly, it, like, it's amazing because like, the kids might be arguing about something and we'll just, like, someone will shout, cup up, and we'll all have to stand there like this. <laughs> In fact, everyone do it now. Cup up. Okay, don't be a cup on your side. Cup up. So someone will shout that. You can put your hands down now if you like. And, um, and then we'll stand there, usually like, thank you, Jesus, for your love. <laughs> and then we'll be like, thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you actually love me. Jesus, your love is so good. Oh, I love your love. It's amazing. And I choose to agree with what you say about me, that I love myself because you love me. Oh, you're so good. We'll do that for a few minutes. And then it's like, like one of the kids will just go, do you know what? I, I don't even need to. You go first. I don't need to fight for that. Because the love of Jesus is powerful, real, and it changes the atmosphere. It changes our hearts. It's amazing. So this is good news to the weary. God doesn't want a burnt out Christian. But he wants presence carriers so that we give out of what we have first received. So we come deeper into the river of his presence. We receive his love, his Holy Spirit, and then we just overflow. As Tyler Staten, who is like the head of the 24-7 
prayer movement in America. He says, the powerfully healed become powerful healers. And I just feel like for some of you this morning, that maybe there's some people here who you've just forgotten that the love of Jesus is for you. And I feel like that is the thing that he's like, he's really putting it in your heart now. The love of Jesus is for you. And maybe just as you, you don't listen to the rest of what I say, you just sit and receive his love for you. It is the best and most free way to live. So being in the river, life in the river, can look like lots of different kinds of things. But some of the stuff that we get from this passage, it says it can look like salvation. So it talks about there being all these different kinds of fish. And when Jesus calls his disciples, he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And he's talking about kind of like catching other people up in the big plans of God and welcoming and inviting them into their own life-giving relationship with our wonderful God. Um, To give you another example, like, as I was saying, I kind of been practicing (coughs) wanting to go into a place anywhere that there's just people and say, Holy Spirit, where is the river? Where are you going? What are you doing? And I went into this toddler group and um, I was like, oh, there are my friends. I could go and chat to them. But Holy Spirit, where, where is the river? And I just noticed this girl who I'd never um, spoken to before and went over and started to chat to her. And she um, turns out she'd moved from Thailand and um, she was from like a Muslim background. And then she just started to share some difficulties to do with her daughter. So I just said, do you know, what? I'm actually a Christian, but, but Jesus is so kind. Could I just pray, like, pray with you now? And she's like, oh, yeah, okay. So we prayed in the middle of this crazy, noisy, busy toddler group. And again, as, I, as we just asked the presence of Jesus to come, it was like we were just wrapped in his love. Both of us started absolutely weeping. And she was saying, I've never heard of God. I thought God was just angry and far away, but a God who wants to know me personally, who's a father. Like, this is amazing. And then fast forward like a month later, a couple of months later, and I got to know her a bit better, and we were sitting in a coffee shop, and I got to share a little bit of like, actually why Jesus came and what he did. And, and then she's like, I, w- I want to be a Christian. I want to know him for myself and have this relationship forever. So I got to pray with her. And then I got to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill her in the middle of this coffee shop. She's going, I can feel electricity in my hands. I'm like, oh, it's amazing. What is this? I was like, it's the Holy Spirit filling you. Like he loves you so much. So it can look like, it can look like salvation. It can also look like healing. I love the picture of these like trees with their leaves for healing. It's like kind of like, the people of God kind of just like going around ministering the healing and the peace and the wholeness of God. It can look like no more hunger or emptiness. You know, it talks about the, the fruit from the trees feeding the hungry. And God really cares about feeding the hungry. If you can't feed yourself or your family, God cares about that. He really cares about meeting the needs of the poor. But he also cares about meeting the deepest desire, that emptiness in the human soul when we try and do life without God. He wants to meet that. And also what we see is that it's not just about individual transformation, but it's like the transformation of the entire landscape. And if you've ever like, read anything of revival history where the presence of God comes in, in power and like, fills the church, it flows out to the world around. So you, you find that there's like, you know, the crime rate suddenly plummet or um, you know, kids who've like loads of orphan kids who don't have anyone and they're suddenly being welcomed into people's homes and finding families. Um, it can look like no, you know, injustice being dealt with. It can look like no more oppression or no more fear. So there is an impact on the environment around us. 
So then finally, just to kind of wrap up, well, let's look at the third R, which is risks. So what could this look like for you and me? And I feel like it's like a call to take risks. Because if we rely on him and it comes out of this love relationship and we're filled with the spirit, we can take risks and we can fail because it's not about performance. But it's about being where he is, being with him. And I just love this, like, this picture that it gives us here because what I feel like, it's like showing the heart of God, the kindness of God, because notice that it's incremental steps. It's not just about like God saying, you know, this is really important, jump off the diving board in the deep end. But it's like, if you're ankle deep, just step to knee deep. If you're knee deep, step to waist deep. You know, it's like bit by bit. God can change us because it's like he knows that fear is a huge thing. Fear is massive and distraction and busyness. I think they're probably the two main areas, certainly for my life, but maybe for yours as well, that stop us from, from sharing God with other people. And he knows that, but he's, so he's saying, just, you know, just take the next step and the next step. So what could that look like for you? And what I'm going to do is just throw out some ideas and maybe just in the quietness of your heart you can just say holy spirit what is it one next step that you can highlight for me to do this week so i'm going to kind of give you a list of like ideas based around the three w's again because we love alliteration um, works words and wonders and this just sums up all the different ways that we can share Jesus with other people. So works is to do with like works of love, like showing what the heart of God is really like. So random acts of kindness, listening well to your colleague, maybe having a lonely neighbor over for dinner, caring for the poor. And it goes along with words, which is another way that we can do this. So it might be something as simple as say you're ankle deep and just saying to telling your non-Christian friends that you're a Christian that might be like the next step for you. It might be saying, when they say, what did you do at the weekend? Well, I went to church and actually it was amazing because God was there, just dropping that in a conversation. It might be inviting somebody to Alpha because that is such a wonderful way um, to be able to share Jesus with people. Um, it might be like, I love how um, it talks about the salty water. So when the river flows, it turns salty water fresh. So what I kind of imagine it being like, if you go into like your workplace or you're chatting with, you know, like where there's this kind of atmosphere of like gossiping and criticism and exhaustion, but actually you start to, to allow the river to flow out of you and you start to proactively speak encouragement and honor and not join in with the gossip, but change the culture, change the atmosphere through what you're bringing. Um, it could look like sharing some of your testimony. And when I say that, I don't mean like how you became a Christian necessarily, but like say someone is sharing with you about like um, anxiety, which is a huge thing everywhere in our culture, isn't it? But if someone is saying, like, I'm really anxious about this, you, you might be able to then say, well, do you know what? Like I so struggle with anxiety as well. But like what? one of the things I love about being a Christian is I can take this fear to God and it's like, his perfect love really does help to change things in my life and really does kind of kick out the fear. And, um, you know, sort of giving some like examples of the ongoing work of God in your life and, and how good he is. It might also be sharing the gospel, sharing about Jesus and why he came to the earth and how he made a way for that relationship to be restored. And wonders is the third one. This is the one that I probably find most challenging, um, which is to do with like God's miraculous power being, you know, coming and changing things for people. So it could look like, um, you know, us praying for people to be healed 
or um, for miraculous provision, or it could look like, um, you know, the spiritual gifts that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Like, what could that look like? You know, if you prophesy or bring a word of knowledge in church, what could that look like this week? Where is God saying, I want you to speak some of my destiny and my encouragement and my, you know, what I want to speak into somebody who, you know, doesn't know Jesus? Me and, uh, I've got a few friends in Canterbury who we decided that we found this absolutely petrifying, this idea, but if we did it together, maybe it would be okay. So there was like four of us who went to a, um, a coffee shop. There's probably like 20 or 30 people in this coffee shop, and we just sat with our little coffees, <laughs> like shivering um, <laughs> in fear, and, uh, but just said, Father, we feel like you want to speak. So, and then we just wrote down any pictures or words of encouragement or words of knowledge that we had and, um, and then just looked around who's God highlighting and just went over, kind of shoved each other because if I was by myself, I probably wouldn't have done it. But just kind of, okay, you go, you go tell them. And it was literally amazing because everybody we went to, we kind of in this like really sorry, but it's very English, but really sorry, but we're very, you know, like this is so weird, but actually we're Christians and we believe that, that like God speaks to us and we feel like we've got a message of encouragement for you. Can we share it with you? And they're like, oh yeah. So we, and it was just amazing. Every single thing was so accurate for their life. And they were like, like, how are you doing? How do you know this? We're like, it's because God cares about you. The God of heaven loves you and wants to know you. And then, and some people we got to pray with or got to share a bit more about the love of Jesus. So just a point of like discipleship. Like if, if you want to grow in this, find other people who are either a little bit further ahead on that journey or just people who you can be like a courage buddy with <laughs> and um, do it together, you know. But ultimately, for all of us, it's about being immersed, soaked, filled again and again with the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses. He's a spirit of boldness. So maybe the next step for you might just be to ask that the fear would go and the bold, you'd get his boldness. So what we're going to do is have our little like five minute chat. And what we're going to do is turn to the maybe just in twos or threes person next to you and just, just say, what might be the next step of risk for you? Or you could say, you know, actually, what, just what is one thing that you feel like the Holy Spirit's just highlighting to you out of this morning? And then we're going to just not have like everybody respond, but just maybe just get a few little ideas just to kind of encourage each other and oh, what ways could we do this? What that, could that look like? Um, to feedback. And then we're going to respond either by joining in with singing or if you want prayer, I'm more than happy to pray with you. I will probably ask you to pray for me too. <laughs> but to receive more of the Holy Spirit. Um, if you need to get kids, then come back, bring them. We'll pray for them too. Um, and then, yeah. Does that sound good? So yeah, maybe just turn to like in twos or threes. What is the um, maybe one step of risk that you could take this week or one thing that he's highlighted to you from this morning? <laughs>